0: Hello and welcome to Tide Talks, the Save the Bay podcast series where we're having conversations about environmental issues with the Save the Bay staff members who are working on these issues in Narragansett Bay. Um, I'm Chris. I'm joined today once again by two of our water keepers. Our Bay Keeper Mike Jarboe, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey Chris, how you doing? And our River Keeper Kate McPherson, Kate, welcome back. Thanks for having us, Chris. So you guys have been on a few episodes already. You're old pros on the show, and I hope you're as eager as I am to get back into it and discuss uh, some of the things that the organization has been working on uh, in recent time. Today, our topic is the Hundred Acre Cove Restoration Project. But before we get into it, I want to ask. Briefly, for the listener's sake, what the responsibilities are of the Save the Bay Waterkeepers? Again, that's a designation that's uh, recognized by the Waterkeeper Alliance. But um, your work takes place specifically in Rhode Island uh, with Save the Bay. And uh, what sort of work do you do on the day to day?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, obviously, two of our waterkeepers are right here, myself and Kate. We also have Dave Prescott, our mm-hmm. South County Coastkeeper. Yeah. We're all members of the International Waterkeeper Alliance, which um, has. Three to 400 members around the world, and basically our primary job is to be an advocate for our waterway, whatever that may be. You know, Kate works more up in the watershed. Um, My responsibility is the bay proper. Dave works down south, and we act as the eyes and ears as part of our policy team to know what's going on and um, help advocate for anything that's what's
0: best for our bay and our watershed. I'd like to thank both of you for taking some time out of that important work to come down and discuss the work uh, with me today. I think this is a topic that uh, listeners will be interested to hear about, and obviously, in a small state, a lot of people listening uh, may have uh, may know about or may have visited Hundred Acre Cove uh, personally. This is a one-square-mile estuarine water body in the northern bay. Uh, it's a body of water that's bordered by Barrington, East Providence, and also Seekonk, Massachusetts. So this is an uh, sort of an interesting area that's in some ways between state lines to state lines and environmentally we know that ecosystems don't acknowledge state lines so whatever happens to a body of water like this will affect Massachusetts or an island everything that's around there and we're talking about a body of water that has been closed to shell fishing since the 1990s because of an issue with bacterial pollution and that issue has now finally prompted save the bay to basically create a plan for a a restoration project that would uh, clear up that pollution and uh, restore this environment. And uh, the two of you have been to 100 Acre Cove uh, recently, right, as you've worked on this project. Uh, So I'd like to begin by asking, uh, what does 100 Acre Cove look like right now? We know that there's a pollution problem. Is that obvious when you first lay eyes on it?
2: No, the nature of this problem is bacteria in the water. So driving down 114, looking over on your left, seeing 100 Acre Cove as you drive down into Barrington, you see a beautiful, sparkling body of water. Uh, Depending on the tide, you might see some salt marsh. Depending on the time of year, you could see some nesting osprey, some egrets, uh, a lot of wildlife using 100 Acre Cove. And you'll definitely, if you take the time to stop in at Walker Farm, it's a great place. There's a boat launch. And people recreationally use Hundred Acre Cove for boating, mm-hmm. uh, for fishing. There's a sign posted that says it's off limits to shellfishing. As you mentioned, it's been closed to shellfishing for uh, for many decades now. Yeah. But just looking at it, it's a beautiful northern embayment in the northern part of Narragansett Bay, and the average user probably doesn't know just how much bacteria is in this water body.
0: Right. It wouldn't be, you know, obvious to the naked eye. Is is this pollution dangerous to humans, or is this an issue that's more impacting the ecosystem and the wildlife of the water body?
1: It's definitely um, something that can be harmful to humans, especially depending on the levels. um, Mm -hmm. As as it is in most parts of our watershed, after rainfall, we see significant increases in bacterial levels. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think we'll get into it later, but that's one of the interesting aspects of this project is that it's kind of unclear whether it is driven strictly by rainfall and the bacteria that we typically get from rainfall events, or whether there's some kind of persistent source in wet and dry weather. And I think we'll, we'll talk about that later on.
0: Yeah. So the, the the water body itself is obviously polluted. And this is a location that's upriver from the bay uh aside from the effect on that local environment is there an effect of this pollution uh, downriver into the bay as you get into the northern area of the bay and then down towards the ocean
1: yeah i mean due to natural natural flushing the problem tends to dissipate as it makes its way down into mm-hmm. uh you know the barrington river and down into narragansett bay yeah um you can um, shellfish is enclosed as you make your way down that mm-hmm. far. So really 100-acre Cove in that immediate area is is really the the primary focus um, for several reasons. Just I think part of it's the way that that cove flushes out as well.
0: Yeah. Is there yet an understanding of the the cause of this bacterial problem? is this a, is this a result of a fertilizing issue or a, sort of like a pollution from an industrial source, or well, is it still unknown? that it's good to think about
2: when we're thinking about sources of pollution, you always want to look upstream into the watershed. Mm -hmm. So the watershed is essentially the boundary where think of a rainstorm where the rain falls and hits the land and then flows down slope into a water body. That would be the watershed area. And when we're thinking about, the main body of water that feeds 100 Acre Cove, it's the Runnins River. And the Runnins River is a fairly small river. It runs through Seekonk, East Providence, and a little bit of Barrington. Um, and it's not very big. The, the watershed is only about 10 square miles, um, but it's very developed. Um, this watershed is 41% developed, 43% forested, and then the rest is sort of a mix of open water wetlands uh, and a little bit of agriculture. Yeah. but anytime you have a watershed that's over ten percent developed with impervious cover, then you're going to see negative impacts to the water quality yeah. and in this case specifically it's bacteria. Mm-hmm. so we have a lot of people living in a fairly small area, and you know we create bacteria sources in our day-to-day life, either Mm. through uh, using a septic system or just bacteria collects on impervious surfaces. And so getting back to that wet weather after a rainstorm, after the bacteria is collected on these impervious surfaces gets flushed down into the wetlands and the the river the runnins river that feeds hundred acre cove you'll mm-hmm. see a really big spike in bacteria after a rainstorm right but what we're seeing in this watershed is not just in hundred acre cove but upstream in the runnins river we're seeing back high bacterial levels regardless of the amount of rain that's happened
0: yeah So your tasks right now are not yet at the the level of action towards restoration. That's right. You're contributing to and and collaborating on um, basically tasks that will review the area, will create an action plan for restoration. You've been reviewing existing studies and reports, I understand. Uh, Has there been uh, any new data collection that you guys are a part of?
1: To this point, no. Um, So one thing that we're really lucky about in in Narragansett Bay watershed is There's a lot of different studies going on. There's a lot of scientific research. We've got some of the, you know, leading researchers in, you know, estuarine environments, ocean environments. So, you know, we definitely can't say that 100 Acre Cove hasn't been studied. It has. There's a lot of data. There are a lot of reports. Um, What kind of worries us is that we're getting to the point where it's been closed. There have been problems for so long that people just may tend to accept it as this is a polluted water body. That's just what it is. You know, we see that a lot with the Providence River. In the Upper Narragansett Bay, people grew up with it polluted. They were told not to swim there, and they just assume that's the way it always has to be, and that's mm-hmm. not the way it has to be. Um, so what we're trying to do is go back, look at everything that's been done over the years, whether it's been successful or unsuccessful, reanalyze and kind of filter out what has been done, what hasn't been done, what do we know, what don't we know, Yeah. come up with a, a really solid, concise plan and work with these communities who all want to take action But, you know, capacity is limited. Funds are limited. Yeah. So at Save the Bay, one thing we're able to do is come in, bring these parties together, work with the towns, say, hey, here are two, three, five things that we really think are going to make a difference. Yeah. And then actually follow through with implementation later on and and see a a measurable change. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And part of the challenge, like you alluded to earlier, is this is a bi-state boundary. So we've got a town in Seekonk, Massachusetts, and we've got two towns in Rhode Island. And although the will is there to find the pollution sources and to come up with solutions, overworked people can, you know, it's it's always easier to be like, all right, we've done what we can yeah. and sort of point the finger across the border. But Save the mm-hmm. Bay is unique in that we don't have that state divide. Yeah. You know, we we care about Narragansett Bay and its watershed, and the watershed is 60% in Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. so we can really help to facilitate people who might not otherwise talk or communicate very clearly and help to get everybody on the same page and excited about uh, some of the potential projects that could be a result of of this project.
0: Yeah, and I think that's interesting work because in a lot of ways a plan like this uh, can lay the groundwork for interstate um, communication and collaboration on environmental problems. I think that's one of the most interesting and exciting things about uh, a policy and that addresses environmental issues and restoration um, projects for environments is that ecosystems don't know state boundaries. And that's a, a refreshing thing when you're talking about governments and states and nations And this is an example of a a small situation, but in some ways, do you see it as a model for larger collaborations down the road among different entities?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So taking a step back, this funding um, was given to us through the Southeast New England Program, which Mm -hmm. is a a Southern New England-based grant program that focuses on these sorts of watershed issues, collaboration. Uh, It was championed in Congress by Jack Reed several years ago. Um, We have received grants through this before. Mm -hmm. So basically what the Southeast New England Program does is it looks for ways to... To come up with unique solutions to challenging problems throughout the watershed. Yeah. Um, so we we applied for, um, we partnered with these communities and our state agencies to, um, you know, basically commit to teaming together and figuring out what the solutions are here. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've talked about this interstate problem. And you know, people may not know the Runnins River is actually the state boundary between Massachusetts and Rhode Island oh, yeah. in that area. So okay. it, it truly is interstate. And mm-hmm. and this grant program gives us the opportunity to work. You know, along these boundaries you know, without thinking about different states, although we do have to think about it. Regulations are different in different states. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of different processes, towns, state uh, cities that do things differently and know hopefully, you know, we can get in there analyze all that, look at the differences, and figure out how we can work together.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. So obviously, you're, you're still in the process of reviewing reports, listing through issues at hand, and doing some of your own research. And then eventually, you're going to be creating your impl- uh, implementation plan for future restoration. Um, and so it remains to be seen what that actual restoration action will be like. But what do you predict are the benefits of restoring this location? Because uh, we said that we're in a situation where locals are still using this body of water recreationally. Kate, you painted this picture of a sort of a scenic area that doesn't appear to have anything wrong with it. But how will the people who live there and enjoy this body of water benefit from restoration?
2: Well the ultimate goal is to reopen hundred acre cove to Mm shellfishing. So finding these bacteria sources that are chronically shutting down or chronically making the water the bacterial levels in the water unsafe for human consumption of shellfish and stopping those sources. Mm -hmm. So over time when you don't have the this bacterial source the cove will flush out and the shellfish will grow new tissue and we'll be able to shellfish again. Um, But then it's also important, this is not a unique problem. So there's lots of water bodies that are impaired, close to shellfishing, that may have that bi-state border. And so in coming up with a model for working together, for looking at these existing studies, for coming up with clear, actionable items that communities in a watershed can do we can take this watershed plan for hundred acre cove and maybe we can apply this in other embayments not only in Narragansett Bay but other embayments in the southeastern portion of the United States the yeah. N- New England's southern New England coastline yeah we know what you're getting at thanks <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and for sure that's something that's uh, very exciting about this plan is um, hmm. it's it in some ways and i don't want to discredit the project at all because that no cleanup project is easy but it's a relatively small uh water body um, that we're talking about here so it, it does seem like a prime model like uh a location where you can uh, try out some things where you can really see what happens and uh, analyze this situation is there a hope that in doing so you'll be able to later uh, project those insights to other organizations that might be doing similar projects or save the bay's next restoration Definitely. project. Definitely and
1: that is actually one of the prime objectives of these SNAP grants is to come up with innovative ways to solve these difficult problems. Mm-hmm. And you know looking at it from a bigger pr- picture with Save the Bay, you know we've been around almost 50 years, you know 2020 is our 50th anniversary. Yeah. And the, the organization was founded on these large issues with you know that were affecting the entire bay whether it be you know, our wastewater treatment being outdated and ineffective, whether it be, you know, the threat of these huge nuclear power plants that would change the entire quality of our ecosystem, whether it be, um, you know, habitat impacts due to development and port infrastructure. Yeah. And now, as we're seeing large, you know, improvements in the Bay and our water quality, uh, we've addressed some of these major challenges. But now we're seeing small pockets of issues. And this is kind of, I, th- I think, a little bit of a strategic change in Save the Bay's Mission, whereas – you know, we're not just looking at these huge, you know, bay-wide issues now. We're looking at small, isolated issues mm-hmm. that are affecting smaller parts of the bay. And um, I, I think this is something we'll, we'll probably look to continue if, if we're effective here. We, we look at the next one. There are a lot of these little abayments and habitats that are going to be affected by different things. And we need to take really close individual looks to make sure that we can, you know, make the necessary improvements and help these habitats adapt. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting work, and it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, what the developments are. Is there a, a time frame on this project yet? When you assume that you'll uh, have your your plan ready for consideration and then possible action going forward?
2: Yeah, so the grant is a two year grant. Okay. Um, we're just coming up on we've just finished sort of the the first eighth of portion of the grant, um, and we've got a, a bunch of different tasks that are outlined in our work plan. And like you said, task one is conducting that detailed review of all the studies that have already been completed for 100 Acre Cove, um, reviewing the data, the records, making sure we have a really complete list of everything that's been already done and have that in one location with links to all the different studies so that if somebody wants to dive even deeper, they have access to all of that information. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're also partnering with a GIS specialist who will create some detailed watershed maps and through GIS, you can really do some analysis, some watershed wide analysis to find out what the pressures are in the watershed and come up with some unique ways, unique and creative ways that maybe haven't been thought about, uh, to tackle the the pollution problem. Mm -hmm. Task three, we're going to work with experts at Rhode Island DEM and possibly Massachusetts DEP to find out whether or not there's a more comprehensive water quality study needs to happen. So in other words, a lot of water quality testing happened throughout the years and once 100 Acre Cove was close to shellfishing, there was just sort of some baseline monitoring to make sure yep, bacteria is still high, it's still closed, Mm -hmm. but We're going to really take a look and find out whether or not that cursory once a month, twice a month testing is enough. Whether more testing needs to happen. Um, We're going to come up with a list of restoration and adaptation priorities. So one of the things that is affecting Narragansett Bay is sea level rise. And that salt marsh around 100 Acre Cove is losing habitat, right. uh, so some of our recommendations for overall restoration of 100-acre cove might be some sort of salt marsh restoration, identifying corridors for salt marsh migration, uh, wetlands restoration, because this this 100-acre cove not only is a great source of, potentially, you know, a great source for se- shellfishing, it also is habitat for uh, diamondback terrapins, which yeah. are state-endangered species, yeah. and they really depend on the salt marsh in this estuary Mm -hmm. for Habitat. Um, Task five is going to be creating this implementation plan uh, as a roadmap for the different communities. We're going to have specific, actionable projects that each city or town can take and own. Um, So our recommendation for town officials in East Providence isn't going to be the same for town officials in Seekonk, for example. And then our last task will be to bring all of these different, the five different pieces together into one final comprehensive water quality restoration plan. Mm -hmm. So the outcome of this grant is not projects, but a plan that will clearly identify projects and give the cities and towns the tools to implement those projects.
0: Yeah, interesting. When you're um, deciding which Projects are best for which towns? Are you thinking mostly about their location and respect? To Hundred acre cove or how the towns are kind of built to handle certain projects or maybe a consideration of both Yeah, a little
1: bit of both so there mm-hmm. there are definitely differences between the cities and towns um one primary difference that is um very obvious is that seekonk is not a seward town so yeah. they're operating on septic systems potentially cesspools which always provide the opportunity for failed systems or right. um if not that illegal connections that might be there um so there are different theories about that um, so we'll be looking at that we're working with the uh health agent and the conservation agency cong to look at those issues yeah um, like kate mentioned you've got agriculture in, in parts of the watershed particularly in barrington mm-hmm. um, different impacts from from the way that the agricultural lands are used on the east providence side you've you've got um, heavy development um you've got uh, the mobile tank farm which mm-hmm. historically contributed significant pollution to the uh, watershed and there have been some some major projects to uh, deal with that over the yeah. years, but there's also a dam associated with that facility that we're going to be looking at to see if um, there's potential for removal that might help the water quality there and might yeah. um, help even, you know, fish passage might help us uh, address some of the sea level rising climate
0: change mm-hmm. impacts as well. Yeah, that's cool. So it's really a balance of the characteristics of all these different towns that are, that each have a stake in this project and each have a uh, different, actions that they could contribute to amount to a completed restoration. Right. Um, So, yeah, thanks for uh, coming down and uh, chatting with me about this today. It's an interesting project to hear about. I'm going to list a couple things here quickly, and then we can close out on our recording. Any listeners who are interested in learning more about Save the Bay should visit our website, savebay.org, where you can learn more about becoming a member or volunteering. You can follow Save the Bay on Twitter at Save the Bay RI, or visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Save Bay Narragansett. You can also visit us in person. If you'd like to come to the Bay Center at 100 Save the Bay Drive in Providence, Rhode Island, our grounds are open to the public. It's a lovely building. There's a lovely view of the water, and it's It's quite enjoyable if you're ever in the area and you want to stop by. Uh, Finally, Mike and Kate, I'd just like to ask you quickly if there's anything you'd like to promote, any social media accounts where people can follow along with what you're doing or any more information you want to list about these issues.
1: Yeah. First of all, I just want to add, um, you mentioned our website and our uh, volunteer opportunities. We do anticipate having specific volunteer opportunities related to this project. Nice. So uh, keep an eye out on our volunteer page on the website. If you're interested in being notified directly, uh, reach out Mm -hmm. to either Kate or myself and we'll add you to Our list of interested parties. Um, So look forward to that, especially as we get into the spring and the warmer months. Uh, If you're interested in following my work directly, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at NARA Baykeeper. Nice.
2: And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at NB Riverkeeper. Cool.
0: All right. And once again, uh, thanks for coming down, guys, taking some time out of your very busy schedules at this point uh, just to chat about uh, what you are doing and uh, allowing uh, myself and everyone listening to kind of take part in it in our way. Uh, So I'm going to sign off here, and um, until next time, thanks for coming down, guys. Thanks, Chris.